Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. You got to be good at something. <laughs> this is the OKest Hunter podcast. Just got to remember to hit record. <laughs> Never pass on shooter bucks if that's just meat in the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. Howdy, howdy, and welcome to the OKS Hunter Podcast. Coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast studio. I always say coming at you from. We're coming at you. Just coming straight for you. Doesn't that just sound kind of weird? It's just aggressive. We don't got to be coming at you all the time. Yeah, you can come to us. Aggressive. It's okay. I noticed that I think we got three new ratings on iTunes in the last week. So whatever we said on the last podcast, people must have really liked. I think they were five reviews. I, yeah, I think they were fives. That's good. I think they were just feeling guilty for us. And we're like, you know what? I'll give these guys a five star review. A pity five star. Yeah, I'll take your pity five stars all day long. If it's still five pity, stars. If you've got a pity five star hiding in your back pocket there, go ahead and get a horror on iTunes and <laughs> throw that pity five star away. <laughs> why not? It's like that poo dollar holler game. You guys ever play that? No. Have you heard of this? No. no. Explain it. Oh, okay. So please. Poo dollar holler is when you take a piece of dog poop, smear it on a dollar, slap it to the ground, <laughs> and wait for someone to walk by and pick it up when they say, ooh, look, a dollar or a 20 or whatever it is. And as soon as they pick it up, you yell out, poo dollar holler, and they got shit on their hands. So I'll that take your pity stars for poo dollar, poo dollar ratings. Wow. <laughs> Got time to kill. Yeah. So I, we, we were a victim of one of these poo dollar hollers we at a campsite. Really. And our buddy was like, oh, look, five bucks, fix it up. And all of a sudden all these people <laughs> yell poo dollar holler. So then like everyone got trashed. And uh, suddenly there were like people going around asking for dog poop from dog owners. And <laughs> they were right. like, I'm not kidding. There must have been $200 worth of littered money with dog poop on it around this campground for the next like several days and we kept falling for our own poo dollars <laughs> you guys are a bunch of shit handlers <laughs> yeah we like to talk dirty here on the OKS Under podcast brought to you by spartan forge <laughs> earmuffs yeah say earmuffs no uh we'll keep it clean if we can um it is marked explicit but thank you if you have any feedback let us know happy to see what you have to say about us um spartan forge is our presenting sponsor they are uh pushing the envelope on what is possible with a deer hunting application. They just released their new like predictive like forecast of where a deer may or may not travel. And they're forecasting that deer movement based on deer movement and that's data. on their mapping. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I saw a glimpse of that and it just was like, is this real? I've never seen anything like that in my, like it li- has never existed ever. Can like, can we just stop for a second and think of like where we're at from a technology standpoint. Is it 2072 or is it 2023? Like, what are we doing here? Bill's got a time machine somewhere. You ever see those memes where it's like, this guy's living in 20, you know, whatever, pick some future year. It's a deer hunt time machine. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, time machine. 
SpartanForge.ai will take you to their website. Code OHP will get you 20% off your annual membership. Redeem that puppy. 20% is 20%. Use it. Take it when you can get it. It'll save you some money. Um, and us okay as hunters, we got to save all the money we can. A poop-smeared buck has a poop-smeared buck. <laughs> if you got to pick up a poodala holler to get you that, <laughs> that, uh, to get you that membership. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Oh, man. I was just talking with someone today that bought, uh, today they bought a Latitude, a Latitude uh, saddle. Oh. They got the, uh, the single piece, the one that you have. The Sweet setup. What am I doing in my brain? Not the Method 2. It's... What is, what is the, the... classic one? Called? It's just a classic. A classic. Yeah, right? there we go. Yeah. Latitude classic. I was trying to say classic, but I was like, no, it's something else. No, it's, it's classic. Get your ASIC in the classic. Ooh. Nice. They put the ass in classic. <laughs> Does that work? Don't put your ass in classic. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I swore. But they put your <laughs> classic. Okay. Um... Yeah, so great, great stuff. Uh, they were evaluating a couple other competitive brands and were like, you know what, this just speaks to me too, too much with all of the, there's no metal, the the, the meshing, so you're not going to get swamp butt up there. It's not holding all that heat, which is nice. The only time it would be nice is winter. <coughs> That's it. Maybe, you're right. Maybe yeah. they'll make a winter model. You maybe don't want that breeze on your butt in the winter, huh? Just wear enough layers underneath and you'll be fine. Can't fart in that one, it'll waft away. Sure you can. That is one thing, though, like late season... When you wear the saddle, like any saddle, it doesn't matter what, because it's hard to figure it out. Layers, yeah. Your butt does get cold. I don't wear yeah, it a lot late season, but it, like it's compressing it, all your insulation. It's your insulation away. You, you know, get a little butt pad on there. Interesting. Get you up. I hunted out of mine for I don't know, like four or five hours for the gun opener, and that was pretty darn cold. And I I didn't mm-hmm. well. I was okay. I was using the tree to block the wind. Smart. Because you can rotate around the tree in your saddle. Rotation. Rotation, yep. freedom of movement, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, Vector Custom Shop, can't say enough good things about those guys. I think Derek's still on the hunt, and Greg's still on the hunt. Both of you guys are still looking to, like, you filled your Illinois tag, but not your Wisconsin tag for buck, and you're still looking to fill your buck tag, even though you've slaughtered a bunch of does. Yeah. You'll have that. Yeah. And you, do you get yours flying good and arrow, or what? Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of tweaking with my bow. In the basement and a lot of shooting and then going between four different kinds of broadheads and figuring out what what flew the best. So so uh, if you're a listener to the podcast uh, and you want to see more Greg content of him trying on four different broadheads to get his arrows to fly right, send him a direct message and say, you want Greg in his basement making Greg, videos. Your basement is like the archery laboratory. It is. My basement is a freaking disaster area. It's it archery laboratory. There's archery crap everywhere. There's plumbing stuff. There's yeah, tools and yeah, that's where things go to die. Yeah, well, Vector Custom Shop for your arrows, uh use code OHP for I think it's I think it's 10% off. We'll have to talk to Isaac and see what that is if we want to adjust that for this. Now we're in a new year. Um, there may be some opportunity to see if we can, I don't know, crank it up or, or not. Crank um, it up so Yeah. Go Wild. They just announced a, a partnership with, good job, with Mountain Tough. Do you guys know who Mountain Tough is? No. So this is, do you want to hear how ser- I'm? I know we have a guest waiting, and we're going to bring him in just a minute. But when I went to Montana for work, I was waiting to board to come back home in, at the Montana airport, which is pretty small. There's like a escalator. Like there's not much going on. It's a fire pit. It's very nice. Have you been to this airport? No. No. No, I, dr- I drive very quaint. Montana it's when I go very to quaint. Montana because there's too much to see from an airplane in Montana. Okay. Well, as I'm waiting to board my plane, someone gets off the plane and it's Brayden Ware with Go Wild. Really? And he's walking. He's like, Eric? I was like, Brayden? 
what are you doing in Montana? He's like, what are you doing in Montana? Did you guys run at each other and do a slow We we hugged. We oh. did. We fully were like, oh my god, it's this crazy thing. Yeah. So uh, he was there for Mountain Tough. He went. He flew in for like a day to do a Mountain Tough workout with those guys. And so Go Wild has done a partnership with them. I'm just reading the notes here real quick. It's uh, the dates of the workout challenge are January 9th through February 5th. So we're kind of in it now. Um, if you join Go Wild and Mountain Tough communities for free 30-day workout program. It's designed to get you in shape, you know, for turkey season. It's called the Go Wild Challenge. Um, you know, no equipment is needed. So hopefully, like, if you don't go too hard, you won't bust your shit like Greg over here. <laughs> just try. I'm the poster child for what not to do. Is well. that the beast just, mode? It yeah. was. You were doing with the beast it, mode? Greg's it just was, really man. hardcore. And those guys, those but, guys do a great <laughs> job, and they're doing a lot. I wish I had time and and. <clears throat> distance wasn't an issue. I'd go work with them still, but yeah, yeah, it is no, what it is. But you, you gave her hell. Like you didn't die, but you freaking yeah, did I something I don't, close. I don't think I gave it as hard as maybe I could have, but I don't know. <laughs> you had a hernia. I don't know how much hard you could have given it. Pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, did you hear this, guys? He didn't do hard enough. He had yeah, a hernia. Well, right, still some gas in the tank. Uh, <laughs> I got two legs yet. Leave it on the field, Tubbs. Yeah, yeah. But each time you work out, you just take Go Wild and Mountain Tough. It's MTN Tough. To hold yourself accountable. And then they're doing a UTV giveaway, which is pretty rowdy if you've seen this thing. It's like all decked out in like a go wild wrap, but it's pretty hardcore. Dude, UTVs are like more than a used vehicle. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that giveaway date center January 16th through March 31st. So if you're a go wild member already, you can enter for a chance to win. And I'll, I'll talk more about it too. We have a couple more episodes to do. Um, feel bad because we're rambling on. But if you want to find us on Go Wild, all of us are there individually. We're there as the OKS Hunter also as a collective. And you can use code OHP to save yourself some money on checking on Go Wild stuff because you can buy gear from their website also. I think I've covered all of it, guys. Yeah. Is it time to show the donkey the snake now? Oh, my God. <laughs> What's up, Austin? Thanks we're for... we to have to wake Austin up. <laughs> What's going on, guys? <laughs> hey, buddy. Did you stomach all that? That was a mouthful, huh? I know it was. I had to come back to the screen here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, so we got Austin here with the Tactical Approach Outdoors. We're happy to have you. Um, we met on social somewhere. I don't even know which platform because I'm spending too much time on all of them and I don't know what's going on or what is up or down anymore. But why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and talk about what you got going on? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Been looking forward to talking to you for quite a while. So I'm Austin Stone. I'm the owner of Tactical Approach Outdoors, and I've been deer hunting, I think, probably this last year. I think was season 21, I want to say, for me. And, you know, I was fortunate enough. My dad got me started early and um, hunting public land my whole life. That's all I've had available to me. I've enjoyed it. The The ups and downs of it sure are frustrating, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So I, I live here in Kansas City. I actually, by a day job, actually, is a, I'm a personal trainer. So you guys were talking about Mountain Tough and the fitness challenge and whatnot. Have <laughs> you do, heard of the challenge? On a daily basis. Yeah, so you could join and just crush everybody probably. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no thing, guys. Mountain Tough, let's go. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. So, um, gosh, I'm trying to think like where I want to take this with you here because you, you do quite a few different things. Um, we just learned that you're a personal trainer also. Probably could have some coaching. Probably should be drinking all this bourbon over here for starters. <laughs> Damn brown water. 
Um, but no, the, the, I think it'd be fun to talk about the educational piece that you've built and what that is, how it works and kind of what you're doing with it as it relates to adult onset hunting. We've had some of our writers have written about adult onset hunting. I think I technically am an adult onset hunter. I didn't really start hunting till like my mid twenties with bow. Um, I think I went with gun as like a, I don't know, old teenager, real close to adulthood. So certainly uh, a topic that I think is near and dear our are what we do i think we've all had at least a couple people who we've helped yeah get I mean, into the sport of archery hunting between um you know our friends over at the hunt in common uh bha here you know in our state i i was involved with uh i was supposed to be on a, on a bow hunt but that didn't work out um but i did a small game mentored hunt for an, an adult hunter that was my age and then uh, just recently, uh, a gun hunt for deer over at the Duran Farm um, with a, I don't know, he had to be in his 30s, late 20s, early 30s. So didn't hunt a whole lot and just was curious to learn some things. So it was a great conversation. Yeah, so how are, how are adults coming into hunting if they haven't been exposed to it? Like, what's the lead-in? Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Austin? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I kind of seen, it's nice seeing a little bit of a shift. You know, we were a lot of folks that kind of gotten out of hunting or didn't grow up hunting, you know, like I was fortunate enough to, and I've started seeing a lot of folks right around our, our age, you know, the 25, 30, 35, trying to get into hunting and, or do it more often, you know, they hunted at a younger age, but not very seriously. And they're wanting to get into doing it more. They listen to podcasts just like you guys. You guys are doing a fantastic job. There's a lot of podcasts out there that are really bringing a lot of knowledge to folks. And I think that's big for what's helped the industry a lot. Not only the podcast, but also YouTube channels. And making it look, you know, showing the real world hunters out there doing it. You know, I grew up watching the, you know, heavily managed areas you know just like all of us have grew up watching the vhs tapes and dvds <laughs> of super heavily managed properties and and shooting monster bucks you know and i've it's fun seeing more and more hunters getting out there that are just like us no, normal everyday dudes um carrying a camera in the woods with them and wanting to show their to tell their story and show their adventures and i think that has helped a lot with bringing a lot more people into the industry i'd agree i mean nail on the head just the number of people we've run into i think when eric and i were out in the woods we ran into one or two guys and myself this year i bet you i ran into five guys who are just getting back into it or just getting into it for the first time that were like my age or a little bit older that you would think like you bump into them at a trailhead you're like oh you know here's another hunter pound in the area and like oh first time out here just giving it a go a lot more of that in the last few years than i saw in the past so that, that is definitely exactly what austin's talking about seems to be what i'm noticing here so then you're kind of seeing a lot of that as a as a I, as a marketer, I'm thinking of like of funnels, <laughs> you know, that's the top of the funnel. It's yeah. peaking their interest. What, what's the next step for some of these folks? Like, where are they, where, are they reaching out to friends and family? Like, cause it's a, it's a pretty strong barrier to cross. And I have a, an anecdote of a friend that I'll bring on the podcast later this year when he's back home uh, in Wisconsin. But like, 
I think his first step was an archery shop, rented a bow and arrow, and just started shooting. And that was, it, it just kind of grew from there. And I think he got his first deer last year or this past season. Um, but happy to hear, kind of hear what you're seeing and, and what you're doing with that because you have a course to help people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a lot of times what I've seen. Also, they go talk to archery shop. Um, you know, I worked at Bass Pro for a little while as an archery tech, and I did field a lot of questions. You know, along those lines of folks trying to get into archery for the first time and um, adults getting into it themselves, and then bringing their kid with them, so they're kind of learning at the same time with their um, son or daughter and getting better with their archery and whatnot. And then we go to with the technology, like you guys have, like we have available your podcasts and YouTube channels, like I mentioned before, that's kind of their next step. And then you start creating contacts through social media. So Instagram has been fantastic. I love how I've been able to connect with people on Instagram you know, guys get to send me a message with just questions, you know what I mean? And any, anything I can do to help them, um, see more success. And then my, my, I run that YouTube channel and I try to be as real and authentic as possible with giving you as much information to help you. Maybe that one thing you're missing, you know what I mean? This video would answer that question. And I've gotten, messages about that say hey i would just watch this video and i just went out and shot my first deer or just shot the biggest deer of my life it's it's a lot of fun fielding those um comments and messages and whatnot and then you kind of as they've gone there they start wanting more information so i i tend to where i'm getting is i'm getting a lot of folks that aren't just brand new to the industry they're kind of that next step they, they've learned how to shoot and they're, they're starting. They've had a couple years of um, hunting underneath their belt and they're ready to see more success. You know, they're not quite seeing the deer movement that they want to see. They're ready to shoot that first deer or their bigger, their biggest deer. You know, they're ready to see that little bit nicer deer, a little nicer buck and, and so on. And those are a lot of the f- folks that I'm, that are coming my, my direction. That's exactly why I built the course is it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just for the brand new hunter, but it was also for that, for that next, that intermediate and that novice hunter that is ready for the next step. You know what I mean? See a little bit more success and, um, you know, make the information as understandable uh, for the ultra beginner, but super detailed for that, that more intermediate deer hunter. I would say I'm probably an intermediate well <laughs> i'm not an expert i'm just trying to think of like where do i fall in this classification you know, you know? In that pool. um what i noticed on your channel i was snooping through all of your videos and it your channel really caters to exactly what you just said um i think a novice hunter right like somebody who's just learning it you don't know what you need yet because you're just figuring it all out so going on youtube and finding a specific video about how to set trail cameras or how to spring scout like you don't know you need that yet because you don't have the experience but what I noticed on your channel is you have like a whole bunch of shorter, hyper-specific topics that you cover, which is perfect for that person who's like realizing, hey, I should be getting out and doing this, but I don't know how to do that. Like that's searchable. That's something we didn't have, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years yep. ago growing up. We had, you know, maybe a dad or a grandpa showing us. 
But now people can go out ready for the next step and literally look for what they're looking for and grab it like off a video like your channel or any other. And they have that specific information catered to them, which is awesome. I was, I was checking out your videos. They're great. Yeah. And, and you, you nailed it right there. It's, you kind of don't know what you don't know. And that's, that's what I want to cover is I want to cover everything. So it's, you can kick, you, you don't know what you want, what you need to search until you've actually heard of it. You know what I mean? So all of the information is already out there available to us, but it's not organized in a manner that if you don't know that you should be looking for this specific information until you find it, that you, you find that one video. And that's what I want to do, you know, create those posts and videos that, Hey, I didn't even think about touching this topic and then you not only dive into my video but then you can branch out to a whole bunch of people that are super knowledgeable as well and really figure out what works best for you you know this is exactly what i've done is learn from so many different people and then figure out what has worked what works best for me and figure out my own kind of system basically so do you think they're like as far as how your course like gets unpacked what are some of the prerequisites? Like you should probably know this before you do that. You should probably know how to do that before you can do this. And you should probably consider these things before you consider that thing. Um, I'm sure you can obviously jump way ahead and you know, it's like certain books you don't have to read cover to cover. You could probably pick your chapters and, and go from there. Maybe that's like the Bible. <laughs> like you pick some verses, but eventually you might want to dive into the whole story of our Lord and savior. But uh, as far as it goes to like bow hunting, which is basically a religion, which is why I'm making this comparison. You know, what, what are All the right. prerequisites? It's coming, it's coming around now. There's some quick mason work. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't put enough water in that mud. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the, about, about the only prerequisite really is, is, you know, just learn to shoot and take your hunter safety course. You know, um, get yourself some some camo, get yourself some equipment and you don't have to go out and spend a boatload of money to do that. You know, you can get yourself some really nice equipment. that's going to last you a long time. Or if you're just getting started, you know, that, that first initial price tag can be high cause you're buying, you know, your bow or you're buying your gun and you know, all these different pieces of clothing in your backpack and boots and whatnot, you know, the list goes on a tree stand or a saddle. You know, there's a whole lot going around, you know, a lot more people getting into saddle hunting and whatnot. So there really isn't much for a prerequisite. And if you come in as a novice and intermediate hunter, you can jump ahead. You know, I've, I've set my course up in a manner where you don't have to go through every single chapter in simultaneously. Um, obviously each chapter builds on the next, right? Each one builds on the next. And then you finish at the end with my blueprint to success where I kind of wrap everything up into five videos. And this is my whole process from all from e-scouting all the way through the hunt. And so you can skip around, especially if you, if you're been hunting for a little while and you are looking for more specific topics um, but it's built in a way that the brand new hunter who just got done with their hunter safety course can get on this course, watch it from start to finish and fi hopefully go out that next season and have some success. So without giving away like the, you know, the secret ingredients or how the sausage is made completely, 
because I'm assuming you know you probably want people to buy this this program and, and go through it. But you know, what are some examples of things that I'm going to learn from an e scouting perspective or a boots on the ground? You know, what tools are you pushing people towards or how to navigate them? Because depending on, you know, the state that you're in, there's a lot of nuances to this kind of stuff, like how to draw tags or can you hunt this land? Or like Wisconsin has voluntary public access and managed forest law and crop damage tags and, and like conservancy prop. There's all sorts of different like pockets of information that can exist. If I venture in another state like Illinois has got how many rules and regulations you guys run into in Illinois? A lot. And you didn't realize it until you got there in some of the cases, yeah, even though you did I'm, your best effort. I'm on effort. the naughty list there because I didn't turn in a card at one one wildlife management area. So What? What do you mean? I didn't hear about that. Your windshield card. Yeah, your windshield card. What the hell is we that? We noticed you didn't put on a windshield card when you were over here, so uh, shame on you, and we'll be watching you. All right. See you in <laughs> Never. 10 years. <laughs> Jeez, oh, how do you really feel about it? Right there, Illinois. <laughs> Give us another reason to hate you. Done. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> Illinois. And I didn't pay my toll. Damn it. Oh, there's always that. I did that. I some freaking, oh, I have to deal with tolls tomorrow, don't I? I'm driving to ATA. Yes, you do. Enjoy Damn, that. I always forget about the tolls. Sorry, my brain's anyway. wandering. Anyway. But no, examples. That's what I was asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, I use Onyx Hunt all the time. That's what I've used for a long time. Um, there's quite a few other, you know, like you said, you you have Spartan Forge here. That's a fantastic app. I just started kind of playing around with it this year also, and they have a good mapping tool. Um, bi- biggest thing that I I strongly suggest is just going out and just doing your research on that specific state or property that you're looking to go to. Because like you said, each not only each state has different regulations, but each property can have different regulations as well. And that's something I, I touch on, and that's how I like to find my out-of-state properties, is I look for those properties that have special regulations that might tip me off to there being a more mature buck herd on that property or a property that might have fewer hunters. You know, it's not a set and that's not a foolproof plan, but I can kind of make an educated guess based on those regulations. And then when I put boots on the ground, I can look for, you know, the access routes where the parking lots are. If the maps matched up to the, um, um, the, the, what I'm seeing on, on property actually so that that's i just kind of i start with the maps i see exactly where my at where my property is, what the property looks like what the regulations are and then i'll go put drive around put boots on the ground and see if it matches up crops and everything that's cool you know um I, onyx i think is widely used a lot of folks use it historically i know uh one of the drawbacks for folks to switch over was they couldn't import pins i know you can do that now with spartan forge as just a call up but I remember talking with my boss in season, in hunting season, and uh, I was showing him Spartan Forge, and they have this feature where you can look at, if it's available in that particular area, you can look at the time uh, line of that. Mm -hmm. So I could look at, like, you know, yesterday or April or whatever, vegetation versus not vegetation. I can look at 2021 versus 22 versus 23 and so forth. And it was interesting to scrub through the timeline in this area that my boss was hunting because there was a subdivision being developed that on one app, the other one, looks like it has always looked. And on Spartan Forge, it looks like they have a bunch of bulldozers on site 
breaking down trees and, and it's like, you know, so it gets you a little bit closer to reality in the cases where it's functional in that area and like helps you, you know, Oh, you're not going to have such a big surprise with boots on the ground. I've seen actually the hunting public had a, had a aha moment with the mapping application where they went out and they're like, well, there actually isn't a bridge here. <laughs> they had to like figure out a yeah. different entry point, which I think ended up being an advantage for them, but it, it didn't look that way in the map. Um, so that's hard. That's a hard thing when you're considering out of state or you've never done this before and you haven't really played around on your public lands in your area, or if you don't have private land, um, it's always interesting to get in the mindset of someone that's never hunted before. And just, you know, how long this road is to go down and how endless it becomes and how deep it can get. I just feel like, man, where would you even start? I think uh, what we were just talking about, the e-scouting thing, like <clears throat> the little nuances of looking at your area, like you do a lot of e-scouting, Austin does a ton, you've spent time looking at maps, sorry, um, but like you get so used to seeing what your terrain cover in your area looks like from an aerial view, where like Austin, who does a bunch of out-of-state stuff, what it looks like in Kansas versus Missouri versus maybe Cashland of Iowa yep. versus Oklahoma, like it looks wildly different. And for somebody new looking at like, say a different state, even it totally throws you off when you're what the heck am I looking at here? Like yeah. you, you know, looking at maps for years and years, you know what tag all those look like, you know what hemlock looks like, right. I know what cedar, like people but don't know still that. Still at the end of the day, I'm not going to rely on that mapping app. I'm still, I, this is just me, but I would rather it's still go, go in there and, put my boots to the ground and put some miles on and burn some boot leather and see what's going on in there because, okay, pictures show you the terrain change maybe, maybe, depending on what you're hunting. But it's not showing you that, well, you know, on the map, like you said, there was a tree here. Now it's down on the ground and there used to be a trail that went right past it or underneath it maybe. Now it's going way around. It's looping around. So, Boots on the ground scouting is way better than just staring at your phone. 100%. And it's interesting. In that, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're our guest. Please uh, interrupt me. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Yeah, I was just going to bit build on that because I'm going to um, – there's a lot of things that you don't see on those maps. And a lot, a lot of times the best hunting locations i found, you actually can't see the terrain change or the vegetation change on the map where the only way you're going to see that that subtle edge or that subtle terrain fe feature, something that's going to create a, a pinch in movement of some kind, you don't always see on the map. And and I've, I've ran into that a lot, and i run into areas that have recently been flooded. You know, when I go out of state and start scouting, I didn't know that that recently flooded, and I'm super pumped to get out there and put boots on the ground next thing I know. It's it's trashed from the flood, and you know I pretty limited and may have to go change properties, you know. And um, I've also ran into a property in Kentucky where the you know what looks like producing crop fields weren't planted, and and if you're going into especially an early season hunt, that that's make or break. The deer aren't there if those crops aren't there early season. So it's like you know you kind of you get close, but like you said, you can't beat boots on the ground and just putting miles on a property. I do love that, like, when reality 
aligns with expectation. Just because you you build up so much in your head about like that, you'll I'll study maps for far too long, and then I get out there. I'm like, oh, this is way different, or this is what I thought it was. Like that, who's that football coach? They are who we thought they were. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when that happens, I'm I'm like, holy crap! Like the the property I shot that buck on, I I analyzed that far too long from from the phone, and uh, you know, you're good, buddy. Um, just mute him. He's gonna run out of here. Hopefully he's okay. Greg's got to take a call. Um, but that, that moment when you get out there and, and it starts to like take shape and you're like, but it could also go the total opposite way like you're talking about and be like, oh my God, what? This isn't anything like what it looked like on, on the app or on Google Earth or whatever it is you're using. But it's, it's interesting just how excited you can get just by looking at maps. I think before cell phones existed, I remember with my dad, I would be we would be looking at maps on paper on the kitchen counter for hours before we leave to go up north. We're looking at them on the way up north. We're looking at them at the at the you know hotel we stayed at. We're looking at them at the truck when we get there, just like obsessing over it, looking at the the top the topography and, and all that stuff. So as new hunters, like there's certain pockets of deer hunting that you can get really sucked into that make it just as fun as if you're actually hunting, <laughs> you know, agree. I don't know how to explain that, but that, I guess I would be curious to hear what kind of anecdotes you have or, or success stories or like, you know, raving fans that have gone through, you have like, have they come back to you and said like, Oh my God, this has been amazing. Or thank you so much. Or I learned that, or I learned this, or have you had a lot of that happen yet? Yeah. Um, I've had folks, uh, especially on, um, the tree stand placement series I did, I think I did that year and a half ago. I did a series, you know, I covered different terrain features and, um, river bottoms, different pinch points and whatnot, and really talked a lot about kind of what to think about when setting up in this particular terrain feature. So like a saddle or, you know, in, in farm country, we talk a lot, lot about, um, fingers and, um, ditch crossings and connecting woodlots and whatnot. So I did a series on that and I had multiple people um, reach out to me uh, about that. They, they found a lot of value in really kind of learning about what those terrain features look like. And, you know, as we know, as a bow hunter, 20 yards can make or break a hunt. So, so, you know, if you would have chose this tree typically, and then, you know, you had this slight tip, tippy off, you know, and maybe in the video and you chose this tree instead. And then you ended up shooting that deer that you would have only seen and never got a shot on otherwise. So that, that's kind of been um, a lot of what I've heard from um, YouTube and whatnot. Every little piece you can pick up without having to learn the hard way <laughs> is a good win. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of that if you can learn from others' mis other mistakes. Maybe that's why OKS Hunter is such a valuable brand. <laughs> it's because learn from our mistakes. We'll just give you all the mistakes. You're never going to learn anything from anybody else more than you will from us. Don't do this. If we make all the mistakes, you're going to learn the most. Forget the successful people. They have nothing to teach you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> messing around with our background here. I think I like this version. This is kind of nice. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I keep clicking stuff. Sorry for the, the changing up. Tony Cordero says, Shh, and I think he was saying that when we were talking about, you know, when you're talking about where mature bucks might be and less hunters might be, he's, he's telling you to, you know, maybe not talk about that as much. <laughs> yeah. We can't give away those secrets. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jeff Vance just jumped in here and said that, uh, I'll put on the screen, said the stand series helped me focus my attention on terrain in Wisconsin. That's pretty cool to see. Thanks, Jeff, for that comment. Yeah, local too. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Jeff. That's awesome. Yeah, stand placements, that's like there's all these, again, pockets of intel that you can learn. Uh, that one being one that I, I get a little obsessive about. There's going to be a clip on YouTube when our, our new uh, show airs where I'm probably... I must have spent maybe an hour looking at trees. And so I'm assuming it's going to get played with some circus music <laughs> of me just standing around or like the Jeopardy music. But it it matters a, uh, as much as it matters, you know, based on what you can get away with. I think Derek's approach is really unique in that, like, he's not going to hunt a tree because it's going to conceal him really well. He's going to hunt because that's where the deer is. And then you got to really kind of make whatever you have work to the best of your ability I would like to find the best of both worlds in a perfect scenario. And some of those finer details are going to really make a difference if the deer are there. And I would use the buck that I got this season as the most primary example of that, that I put in the best possible tree I could based on what was happening. And when I looked at where I shot the deer from that deer's perspective, there's that deer did not see me. You were in like a perfect, I couldn't have picked a better spot. And I was so proud of myself, honestly, like it just, it it didn't even like my dad has always said, don't silhouette yourself. Don't silhouette yourself. Get a backdrop. Get a backdrop from the deer's perspective. Like that has been enamored into my brain and soldered in there. So like that is one thing that I'll always do. But when I was a young hunter, I I always, I, I didn't think about the placement of the stand until I put it up and I was like, oh, I put it in the wrong, facing the wrong spot with my, like I'm right hand dominant. So like I'm now I'll get the base of the tree and I'll start to, I'll do this. I'll pretend I'm drawing back. And looking and I'll try to figure it out with the saddle, it's the inverse mm-hmm. because you're facing the tree. So saddle hunting, I had, it's almost like backing up a trailer, you know, you're, you're turning the wheel the opposite direction. It's like a mind F, <laughs> you know, um, but these are good things to learn. If you're a new hunter, if you haven't been exposed that like me, I, I learned a lot of this stuff the hard way, even though my dad probably told me a thousand times, make sure you think about the position of the tree. If it's leading this way, if it's doing that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll figure it out. And then I would make the mistakes and go, oh yeah. Well, I don't, now I know what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something I've learned a lot too, is not just choosing, you know, the best concealed tree, like you just said, but hunting where the deer are. I have ran into a lot of situations, um, you know, the mature bucks on public ground, they're in the thickest stuff you can find. And, you know, you might not always have that super nice oak tree to set up in. And I've, Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? I'd rather sit in this tiny little spindly little tree and and act like a statue <laughs> and possibly get a shot on what I'm after than, you know, sit 50 yards away and hope that they right. wander by my tree and that's more comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Austin, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to relate to this pretty well because you've already alluded to it in the beginning when you introduced kind of what you did. But uh, what you just mentioned there, take it took, I don't know, me a long time to realize. And uh, I hunt with my parents a lot. And I think my dad and I both took a while for us to realize. When you watch those old VHSs, and maybe it's good for the newer adult onset and young people to watch the YouTube series that are real. Because, man, I watch Drury. I watch the Mossy Oak. I mean, I watch all of them. Primetime. And these guys are in the beautiful hardwoods, big trails yeah, running. And yep. these bucks are just running down these trails through the wide open hardwoods. And I set up in a hundred trees just like that. 
and never saw a mature buck ever because <laughs> that's not where they move during daylight on pressured land. That's funny because you think about like, if I were a deer, where would I be? And I think subconsciously some of those films are still like in the back of our head going, well, this is what it looks like. It does. I've seen deer here before. I know I have. It's because all those damn videos that lied to us. Well, yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, I want to be on that big just beaten down trail. But you're not hunting all the deer. If you're after a mature buck, which like Austin targets on his, like you have to hunt where that deer walks, not where 50 deer walks. Yeah. They're different animals. Did it, was it the MSU deer lab just put out a post or a study that like, uh, anywhere, it was like around 40 deer might use a single scrape, but it might be like 12 bucks. will use that scrape. Oh yeah. And the number of mature Or something bucks. like that. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's interesting. That like one scrape. I actually saw that. Yeah. I saw those posts that I like that. I like those posts because I'm I'm a huge scrape hunter, so that, that I find that was really cool actually to see the statistics of it. Do you do you have like um like a glossary of terms for new hunters? Because like I don't I don't think I picked up what a scrape was till like six years ago or something. I just thought rub and scrape were interchangeable. And I was like, some people call it a rub. That's weird. Scrub. Uh, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> but the licking branch scrape rub those are all different things you know and uh some of the terminology i think probably matters to a new hunter if they're trying to understand what the hell these deer are doing to communicate with each other that's actually a good idea that'd be something <laughs> something a really good idea to put put together because <laughs> it, it matters i mean a, a a rub and a scrape are two different things and you know i they both matter in their own respective that's just it. They they have their place and time and place too, and it, they tell you different things about what's going on in the season and when they're using them, and a lot of it's at night and so forth. But um, yeah, we take for granted that we know this stuff, and you'd almost feel foolish trying to like bring it down to some some new beginner level. And you, some people might think you're patronizing them. Like I already know that idiot. It's <laughs> like, well, this isn't for you then. <laughs> Move along. Yeah. You know, this is for someone that doesn't know what that is. But I think there's a lot of, I don't want to look stupid in this space. So people aren't willing to ask the questions. Like I never asked. I just, at some point my brain started to finally connect to that. So like, people keep saying these two different words. I don't think they mean the same thing. And eventually I just kind of like ran with it and did some research myself. And I was like, it's almost like when you say a word wrong, like here's an, exa an example. When people say I want to flush it out, it's not flush, it's flesh, which sounds weird, but it's actually, I will, fl let's flesh this out. But when you hear someone say flush it out, you're like, no, oh, that's not the right word. Um, <laughs> but you wonder how long have I been saying the wrong damn word? <laughs> For real. <laughs> like with other things. <laughs> how long have I been thinking this way about deer hunting? Why couldn't someone have taught me this? Because everyone's too afraid to ask. Well, yeah, then you go somewhere else and they use a totally different word. <laughs> Out east, they call a rub a hooking. What? Yeah, he hooked a tree. Shut up. Yeah. What are you, fishing? In the northeast, it's, yeah, they, he hooked they a tree. hook a tree. Shut up. I See, learn something new today. This is the thing. The more you learn, the, the more you realize, the less you know. <laughs> like, that's, that's the definition of humility, if you ask me. Like, that's why it's important to stay humble. Because you never know what you don't know. And if you act like you know it, you're not open to learning new ideas like hooking a tree. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've never heard that term before. That's crazy. Um, okay, so there's some comments coming through. I'm going to open up the phone line. I'm going to hope and pray that it works. So I'm going to put that on the screen if you guys want to call in. Uh, the number is on the screen. 
If you're listening on TikTok and you want to call in because you can't see the screen, it's 262-757-4122. But the question we got from Tony uh, Cordero said, saddle question. Do any of you feel more connected to the hunt in a saddle versus a tree stand? Uh, I don't necessarily feel more connected to the hunt, but I definitely feel more comfortable in a tree. I always feel connected into the tree, you know, at, at all times, but, um, I definitely feel like I can stay a lot more concealed and are a little bit more free to move. And I know that my Kansas buck this year hunting from a saddle is probably the reason that I ended up harvesting that deer. Um, I don't know that I would have, I might've been able to still harvest that deer from a, from a stand, but I think I would have been picked off if I was in a stand versus the saddle. I think that is a good point about saddle hunting. I do prefer sitting in my tree stand more than the saddle, even though I like the saddle, Mm -hmm. but I think you can shoot deer from a saddle that you couldn't shoot from a tree stand and it doesn't work the other way. If you could shoot it from a stand, exactly. you could shoot it from a saddle for sure. Oh, that's a good way to talk about it. I don't think it goes both ways. It's yeah. like saddle. Yeah, like a square can be a square and a rectangle, but a rectangle can't be a square. Exactly. Same yeah. paradox there. So my thought on it, because of course I want to weigh into the question, is uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I always like to feel like a ninja. Ever since <laughs> I was a kid and I watched the movie Three Ninjas, I, I was obsessed with ninjas. And so like to this day, I sneak around my house and I'll scare the shit of my wife like four times a day. Because I'll just show up. Oh, I'm not saying why, boo. I'm just there. So in the woods, that's why I like bow hunting because you can be nimble and ninja. That's why you were wearing that black cloth belt when I took you out over <laughs> the season yeah. opening. I was like, that's weird. Oh, you're being a ninja. So with saddle hunting, I feel like I get to, it's an extension of being a ninja. I'm I'm using the tree as concealment. I'm, you know, I, I also think you just get a little bit more like options and opportunities to stretch your legs and sit and stand and move. If you should be moving all the time for the record, but if the tree is concealing, you can get away with a little bit more of that. So there's a little bit more grace. And with my rifle, I'll note one added bonus is you can use your bridge, uh, as a, as a rest for your barrel, which I was like, Whoa, this is pretty cool. Um, I know with tree stands, you can get attachments and stuff, but then you get more metal clanking around more things to, to deal with. And, yeah. nope, no thanks. and my saddle is metalless. So there is no metal. Eric's got a new business idea coming out. It's a head net, but instead of it being camo, it looks like a ninja head net. <laughs> saddle ninja. It's going to be pretty epic. Saddle ninja. Better, There's going to be a company emerging tomorrow. Trademark locked in. <laughs> Jesus. There's the tree ninja over there. We do have a caller. Look at that. Someone actually called in. Let's see if it works. I hope it works. Uh, who do we got here? Looks like we got Calder. So, hey, Calder, you're live on the show. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you okay. You got me? Well, let's see. Uh, Austin, can you hear our caller? I got it. Oh, Woo! so this is how I have to do it. it okay, works. I figured out yeah, what I need to do. Cheers. Cheers. Let's do a cheers. Yeah, you get hey, your glasses you up. It. This is like weeks it. of problems <laughs> fixed. What do you got, buddy? You're like a, you're like a ninja. <laughs> hey, guys. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, I just thought I'd call in here and uh, get a couple of questions out to Austin here while you got him on the line. And I know you guys kind of know where I'm at and stuff. I'll just give a quick debrief to Austin. So I live in New York. Um, I'm just in between Lake Ontario and Adirondack Mountains. So I do a, quite a bit of public land hunting. Um, yeah, and so what I've been trying, and I also am a new 
hunter. I don't have tons of experience. And so I'm trying to get out into the big woods and, you know, get focused in and get going in a direction that's going to lead me to success. Um, but I am a little bit overwhelmed out here. We have hundreds of thousands of acres of public land and, you know, there's lots of trails that run through it. Um, there's tons of water, there's tons of thick cover, there's elevation drops and stuff from about 2000 feet down to nothing. So I'm kind of, yeah, I feel overwhelmed and I would love just kind of like, you know, try to try to trend in this direction, you know, or go to the north facing slopes or the follow the water or just look for heavy trails or, you know, just kind of pick your brain a little bit of something that you think might help uh, big timber success kind of. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I look for when I'm hunting, uh, not only in my current properties, but new properties as well as I try to find some kind of limited resource, you know, is it, is a limiting resource cover? Is it food or is it water? And, um, usually if I can find one of those, it'll kind of set me in the right track of where most of the deer activity will be. You, you'll find some kind of congregated activity. So kind of to give you an, an idea, uh, an example this year in Kansas, um, obviously with the drought, water was a huge limiting resource. And without the deer actually leaving their heavy cover, there was pretty limited water. So where I ended up focusing my efforts is there is a natural spring there and you know it didn't produce a lot of water but it produced enough so that that for me was that limited resource where there's a lot of oaks a lot of cedars you know a lot of ridges you know just like you're hunting in the big woods um where they can move kind of wherever they want but they kind of focused and centralized their movement um around this spring and so that that'd be something kind of give you an idea maybe to see if there's some kind of mass tree that's not as, you know, common out there. Yeah. Okay. That sounds awesome. That's uh find the limited resource. That's awesome. And, and then I have one other question just would be like, you know, your basic terrain stuff. Like I said, it's kind of hilly and mountainous out here. Um, lots of ups and downs, um, battles, you know, ridges, ravines, knobs, it seems like, uh, seems like overwhelming amount of, you know, landscape for the deer to possibly use. But, you know, I know they like to, you know, travel as easy as they can sometimes, supposedly. I don't know. Um, but, you know, as far as terrain goes, what do you feel like I should scope out? You know, um, find the terrain that's not being hunted. So, so they're, they're going to, they're, the deer want to use the easiest route of travel, just like us humans do. And, um, but a lot, a lot of times if there's getting, if they're getting pressure, they're going to shift their movement just slightly because they still are their number one goal is to survive. So, you know, I love keying in on saddles in hilly country and, um, converging points that, that, that one's a lot, I really like that one. If I can get into a bottom where I have, say, three different points converging in on the bottom, a lot of times I find 
either scrapes in the bottom or I find scrapes up on top. But they're really close to that converging pattern because you've got three different ridges kind of converging in on one. So when I think about um, get diving into kind of a, a big woods, kind of a really ridgy property, kind of like, like you're hunting, I try to play the odds and see if I can pull from as many different features as possible. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's where the saddles and the points are fantastic. And then converging points are huge. So the, those are kind of where I'll start. And then I'll go from there and just kind of let's see what the deer are, are doing from there. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds great. And I'm, you know, I'm continuing to try to build up my knowledge base and, you know, eventually someday I'll have this a little bit figured out here in these Adirondack uh, mountains. But for right now, that's awesome. And I'll continue to listen offline and uh, have a good rest of your night. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Calder, appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks you. for helping us test our stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for calling. Uh, that's interesting. I, the way you just, Austin, distilled that down to like limiting limited resources as just a single way to think about something. That's, imp- that's like a superpower. Distilling thoughts of something that's highly complex and vast is really tricky. And it all makes sense too because like right now, in the Whitetail Woods, yep, there is limited resources. You're right. So you find the limited resource, whether it's, you know, a cornfield that didn't get picked, or maybe they didn't chisel plow it under, or whatever that might be, or the fact that maybe this one part of the swamp has springs in it that never close up. Deer got a drink. They'll be near water. Thermal cover, whatever that might be. That's it's always a good thing, and it's harder early in the season for a limited resource to find because they're so abundant. Because that's an opposite challenge. Yeah, Yeah. resources are everywhere, but now is the time to take advantage of the limited resource and hunt it. Yeah, you can almost just spend your time scouting for rather than the deer for the limited resources, and then know the sign. The sign will be there, or it won't. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Good points. Um, Sounds like. The one fun thing you got from us is maybe building a gallery of terms, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, to the to the new hunter. Well, what he just did there is showed you how to find deer, limited resource, mm-hmm. and he showed you how to find the mature buck that's going to be living near the limited limited resource by saying find where hunters aren't. Because if you can find where both of those two things exist, that's where mature deer are going to be. Which is easier said than done. That is that is the game or the challenge that's or whatever you want to call it. That's the rub, <laughs> you know, of the of the situation especially on public land. That is one of the bigger challenges of public land. Greg, was a, uh, you, you experienced that this season where I don't think there's a spot you could find where there was another hunter sign. No, it was difficult, you know, and I, I shift gears. I, it's not that I didn't want to hunt that public land, but the reality of it is, is everybody was hunting that public land. Could I have pushed on and found another piece? Maybe. Would it still have held the same kind of bucks that I was getting on cameras out there? And I'm not saying you should rely on your cameras solely, but... No, it, it, there was a lot of pressure between other deer hunters, you know, tearing that one that place a new one, and small game hunters, duck hunters, pheasant hunters. Everybody uses it because it's public, mm-hmm. and those are the best opportunities for upland bird hunters and duck hunters to have any success. They're not going to get on, you know, somebody's private 20, land, private yeah. land with a twenty-acre pond, and go out and blast mallards and wood ducks. They have to go out in the marshes along where the deer are, and and hopefully make hay. 
but to that end, the, the, this is all valid. Um, and considering other types of hunters is part of the process for sure, which I think we had a hard lesson on two seasons ago. That was mm-hmm. interesting, but just, there's not a lot of places where you're going to get where there aren't hunters these days because the barrier, the barrier of entry has been lowered because of what we talked about in the beginning of the show, YouTube and Instagram and all of these on podcasts and online resources and social media, like have lowered the barrier of entry, which I think is overall a good thing, but then it presents other challenges. Right. Like getting away from other hunters is hard, but there's, like you said, uh, as a bow hunter, Austin, 20 yards is enough to make a big difference. Um, I can't tell me how many deer have mm-hmm. snuck between Greg and I, or my buddy, Mike and I, you know, uh, when we go gun hunting, it doesn't take much for a deer to sneak through a couple of hunters. Um, so you, you got to just really pay close attention to that sign as best you can which is, again, also easier said than done because uh, sometimes you don't know what you're looking at, if it's any good or not. I've seen sign, I'm like, this is it. And then, like, no, I was off the mark. It's hard to to figure out. That's the fun of it, yeah, though, I think. And, and I'm just going to bit build on that. You know, we talk about it can be kind of overwhelming looking at the these properties and the big vasts of land. And, you know, a lot of times because of hunting pressure, on a 7,000 acre property, I may only have a handful of locations that I actually want to focus on. And those locations are even going to be walked over at some point. I have to assume that those locations are going to be walked over and pushed. I just have to figure out our, you know, is maybe get a little creative, you know, get there before, you know, hunt it before everybody else does be the first. You know, um, maybe a lot of times a deer will shift, you know, they're going to find places where they can survive. There's a reason they're there. It's because they has everything that they're looking for. And, but what's really hard is it's hard to find public land that is regularly, regularly holding deer for long for the entire season, you know, cause it bedding areas get pushed you know, you got not only deer drives, but you have everybody doing their in-season scouting. You know, like you said, the, the information is out. There's a lot of people doing this. And, you know, mobile hunting is huge now. So the access isn't where it sets us apart anymore. So you have to now get more creative because the deer are getting creative and just kind of listen to what they're telling you and and do your best with the property you got and i'll I'll put together multiple properties and and you know my missouri gave me the runaround that this year you know i have my number one property got got messed up because a power company came through and cut it right away through the middle of the property you know so like i mean (laughs) right smack dab through the main travel routes and bedding and it just it pushed all the deer over onto private so you, you just have to keep moving and keep working. And um, I'll, I'll put an inventory of properties together to, just to kind of give myself something hot. You have to. Yeah, Derek, how many yeah. pieces of public are you, you touching this to. season? How many pieces am I hunting or scouting? Scouting. Many. 20? 20 plus. More. 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 <laughs> More. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree with everything Austin is saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the way I get creative with my setups now because you're right like it's not access you used to be able to outwalk people or cross something everybody's doing that 
and you, we were joking, like, that I get in these ugly trees. I get in the ugly trees because other people don't hunt there because they don't want to. You have to get in a tree that's so messed up. Well, even the tree that you put me in on that property. Oh, that's an easy one. But it wasn't, you know, I could see people <laughs> overlooking that because it was surrounded by all that buckthorn. That's, that's, how, that's how my ticket to escape is. I'm a small guy, so I can hide easier in a small tree, right? Like, that's, it's mm-hmm. easier for me, but, like, that's why I wear snow camo up in these little trees because I'm skyline constantly because that's where I think I have a chance to kill these deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, too. So there's, you know, uh, tell us, we'll kind of bring the plan in for landing. If you got any other uh, final thoughts, well, actually... One of them, what I'd like to hear is your okay this moment, because it sounds like you you dunked a canoe or something like that, and uh, <laughs> I'd like to hear the story firsthand. I'll put you on the big screen, I'll, I'll blow you up, and you can tell your story. Yeah, so um, last spring, we're getting to be about a year, I was doing some scouting up in and pulling cameras up in Iowa um, from my canoe hunt. Yeah, I shot the real nice eight-point up there in 21, and I was doing some postseason scouting up there in the river was higher than normal. And typically during that hunt, I was going back and forth from camp that I canoed to. I did a canoe camp. I canoed in and then I, I canoed further downstream to hunt and then would canoe back upstream and do kind of a, a paddle and wade situation to get back upstream. So this particular time I couldn't actually paddle upstream because they had a, there's a, the water was real high. I couldn't make it around this, this bend. So I had to get out and, um, portage my way past this bend. And while I was doing that, I was kind of working my way up a little bit of a, a hill, um, to get up to this crop field. And, um, I was walking to my waders and y'all know that those waders aren't super nimble. No. So I I had this this bunch of grass just kind of, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, there's no whole lot of flexibility with them. So I had, had a bunch of grass kind of tangle up around my feet and, and take me, take me with it. And of course the weight of the canoe just, just took me on over. And, and the best part is I had my GoPro running <laughs> on the front of that canoe. <laughs> and I, I just, I just kind of stood up, rolled the canoe off me and I just kind of looked around. I was like, man, anybody see that? <laughs> yeah the gopro did yeah the gopro did <laughs> so i was like well all right well that was interesting uh, on my way <laughs> that's funny derek and i had a good time with a canoe uh, his your canoe it, or the first season the first hunt of the season dragging it through like those trees and that grass to finally get to the water it was fine it worked out okay Oh, I kind of saw you, what you guys did with that. <laughs> Smart stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I had a, I had my paddle broke with my canoe at some point in time in the season. I was paddling back in the pitch black dark and all of a sudden snap. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I was almost <laughs> up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> like, I know. I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, it just man. keeps oh, swimming. Man. Just keeps swimming. Yeah. yeah if just, it ain't uh, hard, we'll find a way to make it hard. Exactly. Right. Let's just keep making it okay. <laughs> I tell you. No, thanks for hanging out with us. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play some outro music here. I haven't done that before. Is it this one that I want? Okay. Yes. Damn it. Yeah, wrong it button. What's the other Press one? Press that is one. It, is it the... Let's see. Magic. There we go. There you go. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the show. We're glad to have you listening. For all that, we'll take all the pity five-star reviews you can give us. <laughs> the poo-dollar reviews. <laughs> and uh, 
Why don't you tell folks real quick where they can find you, how they get in touch with you and, and all that jazz before we kick up the tunes here. Absolutely. So you can find me Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, um, and YouTube at Tactical Approach Outdoors. And um, my website is tacticalapproachoutdoors.com. And that's where you're going to find, you know, my Deer Hunter Academy, which we were talking about earlier, and also um, my other consulting and mentoring services on there. And you can see some more information about me and and get to know me a little bit more and what I'm all about. So, um, and over on YouTube, it's all self-filmed, public land. It's a whole lot of fun. Cool, man. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Go check them out, guys. Thanks for joining in. Hang on the line with us for a minute. We'll debrief. I'm going to crank these tunes and let it roll out for a sec here, guys. So, till next week. See ya. I'm the only one with a drink left. Drink's out of drop. All right. Have a good week, everybody. See ya.